welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast where we find middle ground in the often problematic wellness world. My name is Jenny Omani. I am a registered nurse and business owner. I'm Annika Buckle. I have a degree in political science and women's studies. And my name is Lee Freiling. I'm currently doing my master's degree in counseling psychology. I'm a business owner, former teacher, currently just dealing with a little bit of a health crisis in my home. It's no big deal. It's totally fine. You know what? I actually love that as a segue because (laughs) the reason I picked this topic was because at the time of this recording, we are wrapping up Christmas 2.0, which Mm -hmm. isn't, is its own episode. So please go listen. But, um, I just needed something that was really light. It turned not into a light topic, but it started light and, (laughs) oh my God, (laughs) I can't wait. Something different. Okay. So you guys thought we were going to talk about boy bands. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We're not. Wait, I was like, a, well, wait a minute. Okay. I, so we kind of are. So I started with, you know what? I bet you there's a whole bunch of like wellness world comparisons within the music, music industry, boy bands, like those, those performers I'm sure get treated like garbage, get manhandled, get gaslit, get like manipulated, like pawns, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. We know we treated young (laughs) pop stars in the nineties poorly. All you have to do is look at poor Britney. (laughs) A hundred percent. Right. So I started doing that and I started going down that. So reading stuff, but it was just like hard to find information because so many of these people have signed um, confidentiality agreements within their recording contracts. So there's actually not a lot of legitimate sources for information because they're legally bound not to share anything. (laughs) So it's like a source close to the friend on TMZ says, totally. but like, it's hard to, <laughs> but guess what I did find a hmm. uh, pop quiz. What is the longest running Ponzi scheme in us history? Oh, I just got goosebumps. I don't know the answer, but I'm excited about whatever it is. I have literally no idea. No idea. Uh, okay. This is so good. Okay. If I, if I say, okay, so that's, let's, let's, let's like our teaser. Um, if I say the name Lou Pearlman, does that mean anything to you? I feel like I know the name Lou Pearlman. He was involved in the music industry in some way, isn't mm-hmm. he? Like, isn't mm-hmm. he like, didn't he like make boy bands? I'm totally grasping at straws. I have no idea, but yeah, you're not wrong. What about oh. you, Annika? Do you know yeah, Lou Pearlman? I, I feel like Lou Pearlman is one of those names. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And when pressed for details, I'm like, give me the context and maybe I can tell you more. <laughs> okay. So in a nutshell, Lou Pearlman is the guy who created the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Yeah. Got it. So (laughs) that's just like the, like Cole's note summary. And let's not remember him as that because he has a legacy that is really that it does a disservice to the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. If we just have them linked up together, we're going to go into details. So we'll just start with that. It's like somebody saying that Jeffrey Epstein was a businessman. Yeah. (laughs) He he had private planes, right? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't believe that you mentioned that we brought up planes because <laughs> Pearlman was in aviation for a long time. Oh. He was almost as bad of a person. Oh um, gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm laughing because it's not funny. Okay. And is he as bad of a person? I don't know. There's no, um, and not, he didn't, uh, traffic humans. So I guess he's not at that scale. There was no human trafficking, even allegedly, uh, Good to know. Pearlman. So that's, 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 gets him a little bit more points. Okay. So this is the guy's the record producer who formed Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Um, and this is the story of a man who created two of the biggest boy bands of all time and ends up accused, um, and guilty of running one of the largest and longest running Ponzi schemes in us history. 
Whoa. Right. Okay. So fascinating. Did not see that coming. No. Right. Okay. So let's just talk about Lou before he became like this thing that he became. So he's born in New York. Um, Oh, I don't have his date of birth. I feel like it's in like the seventies, uh, sixties, seventies. No, he died when he was 62. Okay. So he was going to be born in the fifties. He's about as old as my parents. Um, so he's born in New York and his cousins actually art art Garfunkel from Simon and Garfunkel. So this is oh. kind of where his like inspiration, um, to the music industry likely comes from. Um, an interesting side story from this is that, uh, Lou is known as like a liar, like growing up, he's like, <laughs> like nobody believes him. He tells all these stories. So for his, um, bar mitzvah, he's like, Oh yeah. Art Garfunkel's my cousin and he's going to come sing. And of course, nobody's sure if it's going to happen. <laughs> But it did happen because he's actually his cousin. So then it it kind of sets the stage for this whole life of him telling things that people are like, well, I don't know if that's really true, but like some things were true. So it made it really hard to know what this guy was actually talking that's about. That's the best way to be a really good liar, right? Totally. Is have one thing be accurate mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then be like, well, you said I was lying about this, but obviously mm-hmm. that one thing was true. So yeah, so uh, his cousin's famous in, in the music industry. Um, he kind of has like a, like whatever childhood is like really obsessed with blimps. Blimps were like a big thing going through. Okay. When you say, when I started reading blimps, all I can think of is the Hindenburg. That's like the only blimp that it comes to mind to me. All I I can think of is the, is the Goodyear blimp from like all of the commercials. That's all I can think of. Okay. So I'm thinking of the Hindenburg. You had better thoughts than me, but I'm just thinking of like this, like giant flaming anyways. So certainly not something that I think of as being like a thing somebody could be into. I'm like, aren't there just the two there's the Hindenburg and the Goodyear, and then that's it. That's all. There's no in between. (laughs) So interestingly enough, um, so Lou Perlman's like into blimps and, uh, he goes to university. He's into blimps. (laughs) The guy's into blimps. Okay. I don't know what to say. It's like unequivocal. He was into blimps. So he does work for Goodyear for a little bit and see, so he, he is by all accounts, an ideas guy. Like he's big, big aspirations, big ideas. And he actually has this idea where he starts, he wants to start using blimps for marketing, which Goodyear had kind of done, but, um, marketing was really taking off in like the eighties. And this is an idea he had. So, um, who was it? Is it Maya Angelou that says like, when you see, like when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here we would, in hindsight, this sure speaks volumes. So his first real business venture, um, he goes to Europe to learn about blimps. Don't laugh, Annika. He goes <laughs> to learn about blimps. I'm really trying not to. He goes to be trained on blimps by a German businessman. Uh, with a really long German last name. Anyways, he comes back to the U S and, um, I like how you just had to silence your mic because you were crying, laughing about the blimps. (laughs) This is not an episode about blimps. Okay. So he comes back to the U S um, and he, um, you remember Jordach, the, um, jean company, Jordash mom jeans. Jordash. There you go. I said it wrong. I don't remember them. I actually had to Google it. I was like, this I think my Jordan jeans were like wash jeans were Jordan. They were like a big deal, like a super big deal. Well, I'm like two years younger than you guys. And apparently (laughs) it's showing. Um, so anyways, he, he somehow manages to, so he forms a company called airship enterprises and he leases a brilliant, a blimp to Jordash before he owns a blimp. 
he leases a blimp that he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. So most blimps, when you think of blimps, you think of those like big, like a blimp, like there's only one kind of blimp. Well, apparently <laughs> there's actually like a cheaper version of a blimp that they use in logging to like help lift up the like logs from these remote areas and drag them, whatever. So he gets one of these like logging blimps for 10 grand, which is not what DoorDash signed him for. And he sort of refurbishes it to make it look like a regular blimp. And oh my gosh. So he spends 10K, but he checks out, he um, secures a $3 million insurance policy on it <gasps> and crashes the blimp before it gets delivered to DoorDash. <gasps> oh my. So there's a lawsuit. Everything happens. Anyways, he gets paid out for the insurance claim. So, oh my, who knew there was blimp crash fraud in, <laughs> involved in the world of battery like, poison and sick? <laughs> obviously, the insurance companies change because there's a zero fucking percent chance you could insure <laughs> something for $3 million that you spent $10,000 on right. Like, right before you insured it. Like, there's like, yeah. Anyways, can you imagine if your house insurance was like that? I'm going to insure my house for $42 million, folks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, it burned to the ground. Yeah, I don't know. No. <laughs> so that's just our first little glimpse of like, oh, this mm. is the type of person we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So he continues in the aviation industry where he charters planes. Okay. And he charters a plane for new kids on the block hmm. where he goes, how the hell do these young guys, how can they afford like a chartered plane? Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the guys he works with or knows is like, dude, these guys have made like $800 million in merch sales this year, like several hundred million dollars in albums. Like these kids are raking it in. And he's like, sweet. Starts his own record company called Transcontinental Records. Okay. Zero experience in the industry other than his cousin. Wow. And wow. Like, I, ball, you know, Lord, in, buddy. Lord grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man, you know? Wow. Oh my gosh. Right. But actually... <laughs> So, and he basically just copies the business model from new kids on the block. And he, he does puts out his own talent search and that's how he finds the Backstreet Boys. So he does this talent search. He finds the Backstreet Boys in this talent search. Okay. Let's also talk about early adoption, right? You've really only had one big boy band, new Mm -hmm. kids on the block, new kids on the block. I actually did a bunch of reading into them. They were not famous for that long. Their legacy, they had like two solid years. Yeah. Of, of album sales. There were and really like, two, two albums. Like there really were, I mean, there were, there were others, yeah, no, but there were just the no, two. No, no, really. there were two. And it was like a two year period of time. And their legacy has carried on from that, like two year stretch. It's actually incredibly, um, interesting to see, like, cause you would never get huh. that today with an artist. No, Ooh, like right. I, you know I, I mean? saw like, them in concert, like probably six years ago. Me which... too. And it was like an amazing experience. <laughs> and it was like, amazing. They perform <laughs> anyways, this is a side. So yeah. he, he carbon copies new kids on the block. He's an early adopter into boy bands and he gets the Backstreet Boys. He manages somehow to get the actual former manager from new kids on the block, Johnny Wright huh. and his wife, Donna to be the managers for the Backstreet Boys. Right. Huh. So he's basically like, I'm going to put the people in the room that know how to do this. I have this money from my like charter plane business and my defrauded blimp situation. (laughs) And here we are. So he then, so he makes the Backstreet Boys and they're doing really, really well. So he's like, I'm going to do this again. And he makes InSync, but InSync, he keeps as like a secret. So he doesn't tell the Backstreet Boys about them. And he has like a separate, he has like a code name for them. Um, on their accounting. So anything that's for in sync, he like calls them like, I think it was like B dash five. So that like 
people don't know, like the people that aren't supposed to know about like, they're like secrets. It's, it's like a, it's like an affair and they're over here. They're kept separate. That's not my mistress. That's yeah. account B5. Right. <laughs> so, and this is, so Lou apparently talking to a, a friend, a friend goes on record saying like, when he talked to Lou about this, like, dude, these guys are going to really not appreciate, like, this is like Backstreet Boys, when they find out about it are like, feel really gross. They're like, it feels like a conflict of interest, which it totally is. Right. And like, it's not, he like plays the two of them against each other. Like, oh, you guys are so much more talented than Backstreet Boys. Oh, you guys are so much more talented than NSYNC and like keeps them separated. So like emotionally separated at and physically separated so that there's not a lot of mingling between the two bands like really digs into animosity between the two of them to like keep them apart and this is what his statement is on it to a friend he's like you know there's pepsi and there's coke i may as well own the competition wow right so i mean i do remember at this time there was like always stuff around like the battle of the boy bands right because it wasn't there was also like 98 degrees was in there at this Mm -hmm. point like yes there was all of these sort of like boy band groups that were and like the one hit wonder knockoffs right that would come in for like a hit here and there i feel like a lot of that like the battle of the boy band thing is a similar to what we were doing to everyone in pop music at the time. Yeah, like, is it Christina Aguilera or is it Britney Spears? Yeah, totally. yeah you couldn't, you couldn't like both. Like right. you had to pick and he really dug into that and used it to his favor in marketing because like the more people became team NSYNC, he made money over here. And the more people became team Backstreet Boys, like he was profiting off of both of them substantially. And what do we we'll know? <laughs> we love polarization as we people. love it. Pick one side or the other. Yep. You can't just generally like boy bands. <laughs> no, no. And no. we also, we also love like a fictional rivalry. Yes. You know, which like, is what this is. It's literally created. Yeah. Team yeah. Edward or team Jacob. Like yeah. who, who are we, who are we here for? Right. Like, Whereas PS, none of this matters. No, it totally doesn't. It totally Red and circuses. Doesn't. Oh, I know it totally doesn't matter. No. So um I will just throw this in there, but as like the boy band thing starts to sort of fizzle out and reality TV starts to pick up, he does mm-hmm. the do you remember the show Making the Band? Yes. Yes. Yep. So he made a boy band on TV. They were called O Town, which I totally forgot. Oh yeah. Yes. They write it kind of, I... I saw some pictures. I was like, that guy. Uh-huh. Yes. Um I was actually and... thinking about O Town a lot recently because uh we have watched a lot That's of That's a weird red. statement. <laughs> no, weird but statement. <laughs> Welcome to a little insight into the inside of my head. Well, we watched a lot of Turning Red and the band's name is Four Town, which always makes me think of O-Town. And you know what? All of this is happening in Orlando. So I very much doubt that the um, producers at Disney did that by accident. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually, do you know what I mean? Like, I bet you there's some really interesting stuff to dig into there because those are not dumb people who would. Well, we watched we watched the making of and it's all everything is very intentional. It's oh, everything with Disney in general is intentional. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. Okay, well, anyways, O-Town, Four-Town. Okay, O-Town. So they did interview one of the lead singers from O-Town, probably the only one that you would recognize. I don't remember his name, but I did remember his face. Um, And he talks about how when they signed their record deal, and this is right when there's all this stuff in the media about Backstreet Boys and NSYNC or like suing Lou Pearlman, but they really kept the guys on the show sheltered from that and made it be like, 
this is your one chance. Like you get one shot at stardom. Like you're not going to throw your one chance away. Are you right? And they had them sign by putting them at like in a room with the contracts. And we're like, are you going to take your one chance and sign this? Or are you going to walk away from your one chance <gasps> at fair fame? So these and guys they're young, them. right? They're not oh, yeah, yeah. They're like 35 year old men, right? No, they weren't like teenagers. So Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were like teenagers. teenagers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, O-Town, I think uh, on purpose were of legal age. I think mm-hmm. they were, they were clever like enough 1920. to make sh- sure that these guys were, um, uh, we're old enough that they didn't need like parents involved. Right. But you want to tell me a 20 year old man that's really capable of making a 20 year old person of any gender Human, that's really yeah, capable yeah. of yeah. making good long-term choices. Yeah, Signing no. a, what is probably like a dozen page long legal contract. Right. I wouldn't well, sign that. I wouldn't know how to comfortably sign a giant legal contract myself right now. No, that's why you, you have a least... specialty lawyer, right? Well, you sign a mortgage, it. you get but your you lawyers would know that, in, right? you do, yeah, You would yeah, know yeah. that. You yeah. would know that. I feel like I know from this time also that one of the key um, issues with, in particular, NSYNC, I'm sure it's the same for Backstreet Boys, is that those boys toured and sold albums and worked their tails off and they got proportionally tiny amounts of royalties. Oh my God, right? hold on. Hold, hold. Oh. Oh, hold on. <laughs> hold on. You're not wrong. And I can tell you exactly how much money they got made. Oh, I can't wait so to hear. I'm going to preface this by saying that a whole bunch of these former artists that Lou Pearlman represented were told by lawyers reading their contracts that these were the worst contracts these entertainment lawyers had ever seen. Um, one of them was actually told that she was committing um, business, like entrepreneurial suicide by signing this contract. And she signed Jesus. it anyways, because she didn't think she had She's like, another option. That's oh, how gosh. it was presented to her. Right. Okay. So let's take Lee's segue here. So in 1998, <laughs> NC Sync toured for two years and had been paid nothing. So the way it was phrased to them was that oh they live for free, right? Everything's paid for for you. Your life is paid for and you get a $35 per day um, per diem. $35 and per day? $35. Justin, I mean, even in the 90s, that's not very much money. <laughs> I mean, you can even add a zero to that if you really want to. And that's still not a great daily. Yeah, no, that's not great. So, so Justin Timberlake, big star. So two years touring, these guys are working 18 ish hours a day, seven days a week. They are going nonstop radio stations. There's in-person meet and greets. There's this is MTV's peak time. Total request live. This is like, you get on much music. Like you are, you are there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I am exhausted even saying this because this is my living hell and to like have people watch you the whole time. Like I cannot yeah. think of anything more repulsive to me, but, but this is what these guys, right. And on for, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and like Justin Timberlake's a show kid, right. His parents yes. were pitching him to stuff like that. Poor guy. I mean, he's done just fine, but like, he didn't stand a chance in terms well, of his career choices. And JC Chavez also was like, a it was on was Disney. Like a, Whatever yeah, the was, Mickey Mouse Club, Mickey Mouse here. Club kid, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a lot but of like this have, is what they were. This is their goal and their parents. They've been groomed in a certain capacity to just expect, like, oh, I'm just, I'm so lucky to be here, and so totally. I'll just yeah. do what they tell me to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. So two years, they've sold over 10 million records. They've been paid nothing above their per diem, and Lou Pearlman takes them for dinner with their parents. This is in sync. sits them down, and there he's having like a check presenting ceremony. 
Do you want to guess how much each of them got after oh two God. years at their peak of their fame? I don't even want to guess. Like $5,000. 10 grand. <gasps> what? Shut up. $10,000 each. <laughs> and here's the thing. They can't afford a lawyer. They've just worked for two years and been paid $10,000. Oh, $35 a day doesn't, doesn't get you a lawyer. <laughs> so JC's uncle is like a lawyer. And he, he's like, uncle, can you help me with this like contract? Like they couldn't even afford a lawyer. They're these God. famous guys. They can't afford a lawyer. Wow. Um, so basically what had happened with these garbage contracts or the highlights, I'm sure there's a lot of garbage, but like the highlighted garbage is that Lou Pearlman wrote himself in to both Backstreet Boys and NSYNC as the sixth member of the band. Get out. So not, not only is he getting whatever he's- door contracted himself to be paid he's also getting a portion of the band like the money that's actually for the band he's now part of the band in this contract and he's getting he is the sixth member so he is entitled to one sixth of all of their um and that's going to be like merch that's going to be like all the things right yeah wow oh my god um the other thing that he's done is all of their hey we cover your costs of living we do 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 no no no, no, it's covered by them. So that came out of their income. They didn't know it. So every hotel, every flight that was chartered for them, every single thing that was like Lou Pearlman's, like taking care of you, the houses that were rented for them, like all of this stuff, their lifestyle, they were paying for the whole time. They just didn't oh know it. Oh my God. <laughs> That's horrific. That's horrific. So bad. So, um, the same thing is, of course, happening to the Backstreet Boys. Essentially, what ends up happening is the big suit with InSync was that Lou Pearlman said, like, he sues InSync. So InSync's like, we want out of our contract. He sues them, saying, "I own InSync. The name, I am InSync. The name InSync is me." And goes to the like that was the lawsuit because he he had done all. Of course, he'd done all the trademark. He'd done all that, and it was him. And the judge is like, apparently, uh, so you're telling me you are InSync, and he's like, yeah. And the judge goes, so the guys on the poster in my kid's bedroom here, they're not in sync. <laughs> and uh, Lou Perlman did lose that lawsuit. So oh, good. Thank so they God. separate. <laughs> the Backstreet Boys took a bit of a different stance. They ended up just paying him out his one sixth um, and leaving. So they sort of, the end of the day, they, everybody sues everybody. Um, I feel and- like though, maybe if the Backstreet Boys are first, like maybe their, their contract looked different or like they were able to get out of it earlier. Or, or maybe you know it was I mean? due, due for yeah. renewal sooner. Yeah. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. And to be honest, when I started reading it, I was like, this is a lot of like legal jargon and the <laughs> end result is, yeah, is this. Um, so of all of the bands and the acts that uh, Lou Pearlman had under him and his record company, all but two uh, sue him. Um, for in federal court for misrepresentation and fraud he lost all of those cases or settled them out of court Backstreet boys i believe he settled outside of court um otherwise he lost all these cases wow right (laughs) um i'm like kind of like morbidly curious as to the who to who the two that didn't sue him are it's i know like (laughs) Like, who are those two well you've never heard of them because they're not famous Um, interestingly, so InSync had the $10,000 each over two, two years, uh, Backstreet Boys were paid $300,000. Oh, and Lou Perlman made millions of dollars off of them. Wow. So I know. 
I mean, it's billions in profit when you look at, you know, prior to whatever houses and jets and stuff that were made. I mean, that's, that's billions of dollars there that they, if you invest that, yeah. boom, right. Like, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, it's not hard Jesus. to take a large amount of money and make it a really large amount of money if you invest yeah. it. So that's where things get spicy with the boy band side of it. And that's kind of what is, is in the public mind of like, they broke away from their manager and all this stuff. But it really only is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the fraud situation. With the Louis tip Perlman. of the blimp, if you will. The tip oh of the blimp. Ew, that seems a little the... ew. <laughs> so um, in 2002, um, Lou Perlman purchases uh, a talent, internet-based talent company. At the time, the company's called Options Talent Group. It changes its name it had changed the same twice before he bought it and changes it five more times after he bought it. So if that's on a flag and a half, I don't know what it is. And basically uh, tons of complaints are coming forward about this, this, this company saying it's a scam, better business bureau, um, states an opinion saying that it's a, a pattern of complaints concerning misrepresentation and selling practices are occurring with this company, New York state consumer protection board issues an alert against the company. Um, and New York, New York state consumer protection board says that this is the largest example they have found of a photo mill scam. Do you know what a photo mill scam is? Cause I no. sure didn't. So no. what it is, is it's a, it's like a known, a modeling agency scam. So they basically say, um, Oh, I have heard of a modeling agency scam. I think. Yeah. So they basically say like, the only way we will represent you is if you pay for us to take all your photos and put together your like package, but then they basically never show your package to anybody hiring models. So you, as a model, you're like, I want a model. They're like, awesome for $300. Or I picked that number. I'm sure it's much higher. We'll do all these photos for you and we'll put together this portfolio. And then they just do nothing with it. They just take your money and like, that's it. No Gosh. work materializes for it. Um, okay. So then this company is found to be in violation of California state law. And then in Florida, there's over 2000 complaints for the company. Oh. Okay. So this, um, so the, Attorney general at the time and the Bender Business Bureau start um, dealing with this situation. And then there's a new um, new appointed assistant um, attorney general who just all of a sudden can't find any um, substance to the violations. Mm. Child's, uh, there's a there's a follow the money situation that happens there. But it's actually moot because the company declares bankruptcy, so can't pay out anybody anyways, and kind of just like fizzles off into the distance. Mm-hmm. So then we come to the next part. Uh, do you remember, um, do you know about transcontinental airlines? Bring a bell. Does it sound familiar? No. Kind of just sounds like an airline company. Yeah. Um, and it would be if it had planes um, and airlines. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Uh, So this is Lou Perlman's uh, company. And in 2006, uh, because what, sorry, this is transcontinental. You said, yeah. Airlines. Was it, what was his talent? was no, his, his, the record record company company. is transcontinental records. Oh, interesting. Uh Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very, very closely knit there. Um, so basically for over 20 years, um, Lou Perlman is, gets, people and banks. So he defrauded banks. Like he did a really good job of this. Keeping in mind in the US, most of the banks are privately owned, right? Um, To invest in transcontinental airlines. 
um, sort of tying them to transcontinental records being like, Hey, I own this record company, Backstreet Boys, Insane. Have you heard of them? I also have this airline company and he actually has fraudulent documents from federal deposit insurance corporations, Lloyd's of London, like people, big businesses that like say that your business is real, essentially that like, if you are going to go as an investor, you would see documents from like Lloyd's of London that would say like, no, no, this is a real company. Like they're not bullshitting you. So he had fraudulent documents made up (laughs) from these validating (sighs) enterprises. So when people would be like, oh, am I going to invest with you? He'd be like, yeah, Lloyd's of London says I'm a great bet for that. But Lloyd's of London, like it's like literally their letterhead and he's fraudulently created these I just need to take a second here and just say, like, I'm a smart person. Okay. (laughs) I have a real good brain in my head. Mm Mm-hmm. No part of my brain would ever conceive of doing this shit. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> anytime I see anybody being like super fraudulent, super liar, they like manipulate this, that, and the other thing. They have the letterhead from Lloyd's of London to something, mm-hmm. something. I am just utterly flabbergasted. Like I, yeah. I am not constructed. I would make the worst evil genius. I am not constructed <laughs> in this way at all. Like how, yeah. how, so, okay. How? I want to tag on that Lee, because I totally think of things like this, but <laughs> I am so paralyzed with getting caught doing something wrong right. that you wouldn't approach ever, ever, ever. What if somebody knows somebody at Lloyd's in London and they ask them, they figure out that I'm fake. Oh no. So you wouldn't oh approach gosh. banks <laughs> to invest in your fake company. No, no. This guy is like balls to the wall. Wow. Like into his his situation. So, so, I mean, let's define Ponzi scheme here. So it's a form of fraud that lures investors and pays profits to early investors with funds from more recent investors. So you have your fake company and I'm like, Lee, Annika, invest in my company. You've got, and you're like, awesome. Here's my money. And then we all, we keep finding new people to invest. And then I pay out Lee and Annika, my early investors with the money from the like the, the subsequent the, investors. Yes. The subsequent investors. Right. So it only keeps going as long as you can find people. Right. right. And this is the same well, thing essentially becomes, as a pyramid scheme. And yeah. then it becomes very like, Oh, look, Lee and Annika did really well. They got their money back. They got yeah. their investment back. Like yep. they have great things to say about investing in Jenny's company. Yeah. It's literally where robbing Peter to pay Paul comes from. That is like, hmm. that is the exact phrase that came from the original Ponzi scheme. Um, So for more than 30, for 20 years, sorry, for more than 20 years, um, Perlman runs this transcontinental airlines and has people investing in it and really puts the names of InSync and the Backstreet Boys in the front of this so that to validate the business, right? Wow. Because the InSync and the Backstreet Boys, and this is what we talked about at the beginning, they were real. Yes. And he did make a lot of money And they were successful. Yes. And they were successful. So, and- he people looked at that and they're like, okay, this guy's a legitimate businessman. Like, this look is at what like he's done you got here. a nugget of truth in the lie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, wow. when this gets discovered as being um, a Ponzi scheme, <laughs> he has defrauded investors out of more than one billion dollars. Shut up! <laughs> and after all is said and done, three hundred million is still missing. What? Yeah. Okay. So hold on. So like, did he get, he must've, I am assuming he got caught. Oh, how we know that that's what this is. Yeah. So in 2006, he gets, um, like the investigation really goes underway. 
Um, in 2007, uh, Florida regulators announced that Perlman's transcontinental savings program is a massive fraud. Wow. And the state takes possession of the company. I guess we have to use air quotes around the term company because there's like no planes. <laughs> the idea <Yes>. of the <laughs> company. <laughs> the thought of the company. Um, and most of the money's gone, right? At this point, he spent it. He's like, right. whatever, fucked around with whatever, with the money. Yeah. Um, he, he then pieces out and is like, well, I'm going to run from the law. <laughs> As, as you do. I'm not an idiot. I don't want to get caught for this. I'm out of here. Um, and he gets uh, reported, he gets arrested in Indonesia after some tourists spot him. And they're like, hey, <laughs> that's that guy. So the tourists, uh, some German tourists in Indonesia uh, out him and he gets extradited back to the States. Wow. <laughs> um, and then it's funny. Then it, I guess in his gallivanting while he's running from the law, he's like goes to Russia, Belarus, Israel, Spain, Panama, Brazil. And then finally Indonesia is where, where he gets oh caught. <laughs> well, if you're just always on the move, it's hard for anybody to keep track of you. Right. Yeah. Oh and this gosh. is kind of funny. Like here's how delusional we are. So five days before his sentencing in 2008, Perlman's like, guys, I got a request. Uh, can I have a telephone and internet connection two days a week so I can promote bands? And the what? judge is like, no, oh no, <laughs> no, you've already no, you proved can't. that you're not responsible with fans. I'm sorry, sir. No, you, you can't. You're just no. Wow. I just, I'm so curious as to what it is that creates a mind that continues with this level of delusion and manipulation and For decades for decades. And then once, even once you're caught and in jail, you're still running that shtick. Oh, you're but like, can I just do blue, dabba doo dabba But I got to promote my boy bands that haven't yeah. yet sued me. <laughs> my, There's two. My two artists. <laughs> <laughs> There's two of them that court. haven't sued me yet. Wow. So, I mean, so he gets sentenced to 25 years in, par- in prison. I always find the actual charges interesting because they have to find something that they can without a doubt proof right because there's often a million things that you're like well i'm sure he did that but getting it really yes so and that's why whenever um like murderers get off and people are like we're so sure this person did it it's like yes but they couldn't prove it without a shadow of a doubt for for charge x probably he should have been charged with y but we couldn't prove that so yeah yeah interesting so he's what he is actually guilty of is conspiracy money laundering um, and interestingly enough, and I bet you this is, if I were to dig into it, this is the one that really did it for him was making false statements during a bankruptcy proceeding. So I, I <laughs> bet you that, that the fact that this is mentioned is this is probably the thing they had the most evidence for. Yeah. Probably. And they were like, yeah, you had this giant Ponzi scheme, but like, we have a, lo- a lot of you on record saying things from this bankruptcy proceeding and they could probably spin that. Um, he could reduce his present time. This is so stupid. I'm like, why would you even put this in? So Lou Perlin was given the option of reducing his prison time by one month for every million dollars. He helped a bankruptcy trustee recover. (laughs) Wow. Like, okay, thanks guys for really trying to get him to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, they also, ordered and I do like this that he pay, that all the individual investors be paid before institutions. 
So they did go after, because of course he like ripped off a bunch of like war veterans and their retirement savings and all that stuff. Right. Right. So those guys did get paid off before the bigger companies, like the bail investors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is good, which is good. So of course he goes um, into bankruptcy and all that. And this, I do find kind of funny. I love random tidbits like this. So they go to liquidate his assets, right? Okay. Well, you're bankrupt. We got to liquidate your assets. We got to sell your yacht. We got to sell your so they House go in on the hills and because he has this mansion full of well-known works of art and priceless memorabilia, which they quickly discover are fake. <gasps> <laughs> because of course they are. Because of course they are. It's just a whole. It's a literal house of cards. A, a, like, like literally, <laughs> like an actual house like, of cards. Yes. Yes. Wow. So, I mean, that's kind of the undoing. And then the sad thing is he ends not really, I mean, it's sad because he dies, which is always, no one, this happiness doesn't come from people dying, but no. he doesn't, what's sad is that he doesn't languish in prison for the rest of his life for what he did. Uh, so in 2010, so like less than two years in jail, he has a infected heart valve, has a stroke and he ends up passing away hmm. um, as, from complications of that. So he doesn't um, really face the music, I guess, if we're going to pun there, because he passes away after two years in jail. So, you know, the part about that whole thing, there's two parts about that, that like, <laughs> I have questions about slash. I have feelings. I have, fe- I, have, I have feelings about it. Yeah. One, I just feel like those poor in sync boys, mm-hmm. you know, and like how, like, how do they shake that? How do they move on? Mm-hmm. Are they still, are the other four in sinkers still touring because they basically still need to make money because they mm-hmm. never made any money before? Like, it's a good question. Know, I mean, the whole point of, of being, you know, quote unquote, a rock star, everyone knows that, you know, generally speaking, your, your career is not going to be super long lived. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons why they get paid so well is because, you know, it's kind of like professional athletes, like you just mm-hmm. can't do it forever. So you yeah. sacrifice a lot up front, you get paid a lot, and then you kind of have to manage it forever. So I have some, I have, I have feelings around the InSync boys and totally how, like they just work their tails off. They're cute little nineties boys tails off and we're totally manufactured, but also brought a lot. I'm not going to lie. I love me some InSync in the club. Oh, totally. When bye, bye, bye came on, I was like, okay, let's go. This is great. Um, my other feelings are around the small scale investors that, uh, that Lou Perlman Mm -hmm. ripped off Mm -hmm. and how just so much, this is just totally smacking. I watched the second, um, live, uh, hearing of the January 6th insurrection Mm -hmm. committee Mm -hmm. this morning. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they talked about was how Trump raised over $250 million for his election defense fund, which is not a thing. And most of that money came from small scale investors. You know, the people, some, some dude in Ohio, right. Some veteran, some veteran in Ohio who already stood up for freedom in America. And now he's going to give money to this guy for whom they have receipts. Like over a quarter million dollars of that fundraised money went to Trump hotels. Like, you know, and so for me, I just feel like obviously as someone who's studying psychology right now, the psychology of like uh, people like this who are able to justify and construct schemes by which they feel totally okay Mm 
taking money from mm-hmm. people who it's one thing to defraud a giant multinational bank. I'm not saying that that's cool either. I'm hardly like, let's know, but like, banks. But I kind of am. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a hundred percent, a whole other yeah. kettle of fish when it's just like, you know, some random person Somebody's who's grandma. just, yeah, who's just trying to like mm-hmm. make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And especially in the case of an investment, it's one thing for Trump to say, please give me your money so I can preserve democracy. It is quite another thing for someone to say, if you give me this money, it will, I, this is an investment you're going to earn on of this, mm-hmm. right? Like you're going to make money out of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know it's pretty despicable. Well, and kind of to, I mean, let's leave this back to the problematic wellness world, shall we? I mean, this, this is there, there are, there are snakes everywhere a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? And I think, especially when, you know, a lot of people come to alternative therapies or the wellness world because things haven't worked for them or because they, this is like, this is it. I tried this and I tried this and it's not working. This is it. I have to try this. This is all I have left. And there's big promises, right? And this is just it. It's the promise. Yeah. Of uh, yeah. I, you know, this is absolutely going to fix this for you forever in whatever, you know, this ends up being, whether that's, you know, a spiritual coaching or, you know, it's a, it's a product or whatever that looks like. I think Mm -hmm. the piece of big promises to somebody who is really desperate is really problematic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is to see just how many industries it spans over, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. music industry Mm -hmm. and this is uh, you know, essentially finance industry. There were Mm -hmm. banks that invested in this. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right. So like, this is a big, I mean, it's one of the giant red flags. If somebody says that something's too good to be true, mm-hmm. it probably is. Yeah. If you, if somebody saw right? you something that's going to heal you tomorrow, get you rich tomorrow, fountain of youth. So on last and so five forth. pounds. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe it does for some people. And this is again, the kind of the problem, right? We have Lou Pearlman who genuinely did create yes. two multi-billion dollar enterprises in these boy bands, right? Mm -hmm. There Mm -hmm. are people for whom, you know, I felt terrible one day I took magic potion X and the next day I felt great when nothing else happened, you know, for me, there are people who have those stories. The problem is, is that when it's a, you know, control group of one, Mm -hmm. right. When it's a test of one, or any kind of promise, even if it's a test of 20 or 30, it doesn't yep. mean it's necessarily going to work for you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I would also like to point out that a sample size of 20 or 30 is utter garbage. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody tells you they did a study and it involves 30 people, yeah. those are not results that I would put much weight on. Those are results that <laughs> show that it is worth putting the money in to do with a larger sample. Size. A lot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's this like weird tangent of, uh, boy bands that we went huh. on that didn't even really focus on boy bands. Lou no. Perlman. Lou Perlman and his Ponzi scheme. That biggest I totally Ponzi learned something in the U S watch your back everyone. <laughs> but I mean, if someone but, does promise kind of. big things <laughs> and the only way it'll go wrong is if you don't do your, if you don't do it right, then definitely watch your back.
thanks so much for listening to meet me in the middle. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.